we have been the past uh, three weeks um, when I've been preaching, we've been looking at just for and focusing as we go through this year on gathering, growing, and, and going, and working our way through that, understanding what that is. And of course, couldn't possibly do an exhaustive uh, look at that. Well, we could. I take that back. We would need a couple years, but um, we're going to do as best as we can to go through that and help us to to focus our minds and get on track and what I believe the Lord wants us to to focus on this year. And so we've already looked at the idea of gathering for three weeks and and, and the, the importance that there is in this word gather and how gathering is biblical. We looked at that a few weeks ago and then that it's 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 beneficial. If you remember gathering and, and, and two are better than one, three are better than two, and so on and so forth, it's, it's better, there's benefits to that. And then two weeks ago, we looked at how gathering is just simply beautiful, especially when we're one and united uh, by Christ and by His Spirit. Just the beauty of that. How it's refreshing like that dew from Mount Hermon. And it's just all it, the fragrance of that oil, of the Holy Spirit that covers us from top to bottom, His anointing and setting us apart to be His. It just fills the room and there's that beautiful fragrance when we're, to get fragrance when we're together as God's people. It's pleasant. It's beautiful. It's, it's good. It's just good. And so I pray that we will continue to grow in our understanding and in, in, and in our relationship with the gathered ones, God's people, amen? And that's, I just pray that, that we do that. So gather, grow, and go. And you keep seeing it in the foyer, and we keep talking about that. And today, we're going to focus on growing as followers of Jesus who make up his body, which is the church, of course. And we'll get to that in a second. And I want to turn our attention to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. And really, the focus is in verse 18 for the next couple of weeks. But um, we'll read verses 17 and 18 in 2 Peter chapter 3. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I want to pause and before I move on, into verse 18, discussing the importance of growing and, and what, what that all means and why it's so important. I want to go back to verse 17 and just, just point your attention to something. Because in verse 18, there's a word that starts that, that verse and it says, but. It's always an important word. It's connecting. It's transitioning to something. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Before that, he says, be on your guard. Why? So that you're not carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Now, I want to be clear here. We, we believe, we believe the Bible teaches, um, and we, we trust in the security that we have in our salvation in Jesus Christ when we belong to Him. But, but, I will never pretend. You can, I'm on record, you can do it, and that's fine. I will never pretend that I will never understand His salvation and just how secure it is. Having said that, and I say that because throughout Scripture, 
We have warnings. We have phrases. We have places in the old and in the new where we have phrases and verses and messages from the apostles like this that say, be careful that you don't fall from your secure position. Once saved, always saved. Yes. Maybe. Yes. I'm not God. Yes. Be careful. Maybe you're not really in if you fall away. Maybe you're not really rooted. I don't know. I'm not going to argue and have that discourse or or discussion. That's not the point of this. But I will just say that those are put in Scripture to warn us. They're there for a reason. So be careful to dismiss them and to be so secure in your position of salvation that you become stagnant, apathetic, and freeload your way into heaven because if you do that, maybe you won't get there in the first place. That's all I'll say. Don't treat God's grace so cheaply. Please. It was expensive. Jesus died for you. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want us to notice this morning in this verse just that one word for this week, grow. The idea of grow, we're going to focus, just grow. In that, It's not a word that, that leaves us option and says, well, if you feel like it, if you're in the mood, if you have energy, if everything's going right in your home, if your hormones are all lined up, if you're you know, feeling good, whatever it is. It's not like that. This is a word that says you ought to do this. It's a command. There's an expectation here that says grow. You've got to grow, and it's God's expectation, and he encourages, and the apostle Peter says this here, grow, grow, grow. And so let's notice three truths regarding our spiritual growth as Christ followers. As Jesus' disciples. There's three simple truths I want to leave you. And maybe for some of you, you'll be like, oh, that's so simple. It's so elementary. It's so. They're here, and I'm mentioning them as a reminder because we need that. I need that. And I think that sometimes we forget about how high of a priority God puts on our spiritual growth when we don't. God does. First, you need to know and notice that growth is expected. It comes naturally just by what the Apostle Peter writes here. And he simply says, but grow. Grow. It's something he expects. And he's admonishing and he's encouraging and challenging and pushing the readers to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. Make progress. There needs to be advancement and positive developments in your life spiritually, in your relationship with Christ and others. Grow. 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 When Preston, who is just about my height right now, I remember when we were sitting in our house in West Warwick and we were sitting at the desk in our, in, our, in our computer. And I would take little Preston. Can you imagine him right now sitting in my lap? Crush my legs, I guess. But anyway, I'd hold him in my, in my lap. And the, 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 the keypad would be on the desk. And he would just... Just type it away anything, hashtag dot dash LQ119, whatever, all over the place. And he had something on his mind, but he's just going away. He couldn't even spell. He just wanted to bang away on the keys. And he'd want to print it. Of course. It's a good way to waste ink. It's, it's, a, it's a fun way to waste ink, right? 
So he'd print that out. And, and you know that when you get that from your son who just smashed out these keys and printed out this little note to you with whatever thoughts were in his head that he couldn't convey through letters that he could spell and words that he could spell and he couldn't do that and he gives it to you, you know that his intent and his heart was good. And so you receive that with joy. Fast forward. If Preston sat in my lap today and he started typing on that computer thoughts he had for me, and they were the same as they were when he was two. What should I think? What should I say? What should I expect then? What should, I think our expectation would have been and should be that, boy, at least put your thoughts down a little bit and have some words that are spelled out and communicate to me because you're 14 and a half years old for crying out loud. I wouldn't say, wouldn't say it that meanly or, or hoarsely, but, but you would have that expectation. What's going on here? You would start to wonder, where's the growth? Where's the development with vocabulary, with typing skills? And of course, now he can type 60 words a minute or whatever it is. What is it now, like 100? And he's like, perfect, right? He's in going away, and I'm like doing 30 and having to change everything. Every two words, you know, back up and fix that. And He's flying along. He's, there's growth. There's the, he had class, he practiced, he did stuff. There's growth and development in his, in, his, in his articulation of his thoughts on paper, but also his typing skills. And so when he gives me something, I want to see something that makes sense, and it means more. But, and, and I would know, and his intention and his heart is good, but if he can't communicate clearly after all these years, I would, as a father, be concerned. Same is true with God. Same is true with God in our relationship with him. And some of us think that just because we can go to the keypad or we can open the Bible or we wake up one morning and we're like, oh yeah, God, then all the inhabitants of Egypt will know that I am the Lord. Hallelujah. And, you go, and you've done your devotion. You're done. If you're doing that, after you've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years, God's going, huh? What? I, I want to talk to you. I want to hear you and I want to... I want to communicate to you through that. And what are you doing? You're just blown by this. Like, where's your growth? Really? God has high expectations. They're good ones because he loves us and he wants us to see, to be, to be growing and developing with, with, within our spiritual journey. Have you ever said to someone or have you ever had someone say to you, why don't you grow up? I mean, I, I have. I, that's awesome. None of you have had that said to you. You guys are so mature. You guys have just so, you've progressed so perfectly through life. I, we've had that said to us, right? Why don't you, why, why do we say stuff like that? Why do people say stuff to us like that? Because we're doing, saying, or thinking, or acting in a certain way that isn't consistent with where we are in life, usually. There's, there's a higher expectation as to where we are in life. And if I was six, okay, maybe I could say that. But now that I'm 35, I shouldn't be saying that. Grow up. Right? I mean, that's, we do that naturally because that's a human expectation. The same is true with God. God. Growth is expected. God has the same attitude about our growth as His children. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in the first epistle, and we've already looked at this in, the, in, our, in our Peter study last fall, but in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, the apostle Peter says, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. 
It doesn't say that you weren't saved. It doesn't say that you aren't a child of God. It's just saying that you're not growing in your salvation, and what's expected is that your salvation grows and that there's progression and there's progress and development and maturity, and you're not, you've got to keep craving the Word of God because it's going to help you to grow and to mature. See, God, God starts the process and expects it to be continued in our lives of this growth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 13. The Apostle Paul says this to, the, to his, to his uh, recipients. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits, or in other words, He chose you from the beginning to experience salvation, to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. The sanctifying work of the Spirit. And it's a word, and we'll get get to this in a second, that sometimes we get scared of with these big theological terms, and and there is so much depth, and there's so much breadth. I mean, there's amazing, amazing treasures hidden in these words that we have to really dig to understand from the Old Testament just how deep, powerful, and significant some of these terms are. All right, we're not going to do that this morning. But sanctification is a huge word. And sanctification is something that, if you really think about it, is a word used in the New Testament that in some ways can be synonymous with growth. That it's ever-increasing in our holiness. That, we are, we're, that we're becoming more and more holy like God Himself, like Jesus. In fact, Peter said in, earlier in, in, in his first epistle, he referenced Leviticus where he says, For God said, be holy just as I am holy. Now, we're becoming, we're not, we aren't right now as holy as God is. He is a holy God, he lives in us, but we are becoming, right? It's it's expected that we grow in that, that that holiness gets upped and gets expanded and gets more visible and permeates our life and all that we do. And he says, you were saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the Word. It's the Spirit and it's the Word that's sanctifying us. And Jesus said in John chapter 17, when he prayed for his disciples, Lord, Father, sanctify them by your Word. Set them apart. Send your Word. And God did that one day when the Gospel came to us and the Holy Spirit touched us. And he sanctified us. He set us apart to be God's. It's a done deal. And you know what? Another word that we can use, it's a different word. But it's actually interesting because sanctification has three, it's a three-part process. And sometimes we delineate between different terms and they do mean different things and the nuances are different. But in sanctification, the first step in sanctification is justification ultimately. Where we are declared innocent, justification simply means this. It means that you're so guilty before God that when you come before Him, you can't even look at His face. You can't even be in His presence. You can't even go there. And you're guilty all day long, every day, forever. You are guilty. You have no access to God. You are wrong because of sin, and you can never pay the price for your sin. You're guilty. But in sanctification, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, rose again, and washed all our sins away, and He rose up again from the dead, we are justified. We proclaim that in faith we are suddenly made right with God and it means that we are positionally sanctified. We are made right. We are, we're innocent. Justification means that we are declared innocent because of what Jesus did and we believe it and nothing that we can do because we can never do anything to justify ourselves before God and say, we're right and we're righteous too so we can be like this God Oh, no, 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 no. 
because of what Jesus did. And when the Holy Spirit works in our heart, he, he sanctifies and he, just, he justifies. He calls us innocent. And now, because we're innocent, God says, ooh, we're in contact. You are sanctified because I'm a holy God. If you're mine, if you're mine and I'm yours, you are sanctified in God. The Holy Spirit and the Word sets us apart. We belong to God. We belong to holiness. We are now declared holy because of what Jesus did. Not just innocent, but we are now declared holy. We are sanctified. And that there has to be holiness that comes out of our, as a result of our new spiritual DNA. Can I put it that way? We're new creations in Christ. In the Bible, justification is that one-time event, if I can sum it up, in which God declares the believer innocent because of faith in what Jesus did on Calvary and by His resurrection to wash away all sins, and He puts us in a favorable relationship with God the Father. There is no condemnation or there's no charge against a believer that can separate them from God. That is an awesome thing when we're justified because now we're, made, we're declared innocent. No matter what anyone brings against us, God looks down and says, oh, wait a minute, because of what Jesus did and their faith in him, they're innocent. So you can bring anything you want against them. I see them as innocent because of the atonement, because of Jesus' blood that covers all their sins for all time. Sanctification is a setting apart. It's that consecration. We were singing all about that this morning. I don't know if you noticed. We were singing all morning about consecration unto God. And, and it happens at salvation so that we can then begin to grow in holiness. We are declared holy, not just innocent, but also holy. And now we are to grow in holiness. You know what's also powerful? Is that believers, you and I, as children of God, we have been saved from God's wrath that results from a life of sin. It's the penalty for sin, the Bible declares. You know, that, that sin in our life, that disobedience, selfishness, and ignorance, and maybe even disregard for godliness. That's the old nature. We don't care about godliness. We could care less. It crosses our mind, but we're like, whatever. We live according to the sin. We're... But God saves us from the wrath, the penalty for living that way. But you know what else he does? He saves us for something. He saves us for a life of godliness where we didn't want that and we were going to have wrath because we rejected a life of godliness and couldn't live a life of godliness. Now he saves us for a life of godliness and all the blessings that come along with that life of godliness. Oh, and there are so many. There are so, so many it is God's will. Listen, growth is expected. I will read you one scripture and move on to the next point because I can't make it any more clear than this one verse. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 3, plain English, plain Greek, it's clear as a, as it, it's, it's crystal clear. The Apostle Paul says that it is God's will. That's why growth is, is, is expected in our lives by God. And we should expect that from one another and of ourselves. Verse 3, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. Is that confusing? This is the will of God, your sanctification. 
that God willed it that one day you were declared innocent and now you're made holy because of who Jesus is and he gave you his righteousness that you don't have. And now he's saying that process started, that word is a, th- is a word that that process started, it's definitive, it was a positional thing, you are holy, you are. But now you have to grow in holiness, you are being sanctified. Sanctification was a one-time deal and it's an ongoing deal. It is growth. It has to do everything with spiritual growth. The Apostle Paul is so clear here. It's expected. It's desired by God. It is God's will. Growth is expected. Secondly, remember that growth is expected, but growth is also progressive or sanctification. Sanctification or growth and growing in our holiness is progressive and it's ongoing, right? I've kind of referred to that already. It's positional, but it's also practical. Your sanctification is practical because your sanctification must, it has to affect everything you do every day. It's real life stuff. It applies to everything that goes on in our life. Listen, My attitude stinks sometimes. I'm not proud of that, but it does. My attitude needs to be sanctified sometimes. And we need to say, I choose to be holy, ready to do your will. Master, I'm going to choose that every day. Nope, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop that. I have that ability with God's help. He gives us everything we need. We have a scripture, we have the Holy Spirit, and we just pause. Take a breath. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I belong to you. You've declared me innocent. Now, can I live like I'm innocent and I'm holy? Well, wait, yes, with you, God, I can. I'm going to choose to not have a rotten attitude. Help me get over my rotten attitude. Sanctify me. Amen? Some of us have other things that we struggle with, and I have other things too, and they're not so sanctified, these certain things in our life, whether it's our tongue. Some of you need help with your tongue, by the way. I mean, no offense, but I have hurt some of you. You need help with your tongue. I I do too, but but you need help with your tongue. Watch your language. Watch your language. Because there are little ears that listen to you. And there are older ones too who might be younger Christians who need to you need to be careful what you say with like the language you use. Careful. That's part of our sanctification. Just as an example, we all deal with that. Those are very practical things. And that sanctification applies to everyday life and activities every day. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to go back to chapter 4. I read verse 3. But look what he says in verse 1 through 3. And in verse 7, he says, Finally, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, then he says, just as you actually do walk, it's a compliment, that you excel still more. They're already doing it, but the Apostle Paul says, that's great, thank God, you've been justified, you're sanctified, but you know what, you're still in process, you're doing great, but you need to keep growing, keep excelling in that. There has to be a progression, it has to be progress, it must be progressive growth, and and sometimes it's incremental. We sometimes think, and it is incremental, sometimes you think it all happens at once. Oh, boy, we're fooling ourselves. And we, and we get frustrated if we, if we deceive ourselves with that. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight where all of a sudden you're perfect and you do everything right and it's right on target. See, I struggle with that. 
letting you into my life, and I don't really care because it's okay. It's who I am, right? I struggle with that because in, in certain, certain aspects of my life, I want to do it right, and I want to do it the best, and I want it to turn out the right way all the time. That's just how I'm wired. It's how God made me, and it's, 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 it's part of how God is sanctifying me, all right, in that area. Because I get very frustrated if I do something and it doesn't turn out how I want. It's my, it's, it has to do with just my little bit of perfectionism inside me, my competitiveness, my a lot of different things. If it doesn't go right, I get frustrated. Listen, it's something that I'm working on and God's helped me to work on it, but it's, it's a process. There has to be a, a, progressive, a progression that goes on there. And, and you know what? The, most, the thing about it is I struggle with that whether you... Let me just admit to you, I struggle with that more than you know. Not in practical, like, things. I struggle with that in my spiritual journey with things you don't see in my heart. Because I know, I know, and you know, even your own heart, there, in your own heart, there are things that you have to address, you want to do it, and then you make the efforts, and you fall flat on your face. And it gets frustrating. And you have to remind yourself that God already declared you innocent, that God already declared you holy, now live as holy. It's a process and it is, you have to make progress incrementally. That's how you learn. That's how you get stronger. That's, how, that, that's what God helps us to do. And he expects that. And he reminds us that growth is progressive. And he says here, you, that you would excel still more. And in verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. In verse 7, he says in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. God called us in sanctification, not, not for impurity, not to do whatever we want and to give in and to blow off that progress spiritually, but to be more purified, to be more sanctified and become more holy, become more like Jesus. Oh, there's so many scriptures that back this up. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, and he's writing about false teachers, and these false teachers in chapter 2, they're having these, they're Gnostics, and other things, but they're having these experiences. They're experiencing God in different ways, and they're passing it on, and they're sharing it with the Colossian believers, and they're telling them, and they're trying to convince them they have insight in how to be more godly and how to be closer to God. And then they're also dictating as to you know, whether or not you should keep the Sabbath or not, or keep more Sabbaths, or keep the festivals and these holy days. And Paul says, that's all, that's all put that aside. Put that aside. That's not, that's not what it does. And, and this is what he says about those false teachers who place so much effort and emphasis on the work of God rather than the process of becoming holy. I mean, I'm sorry, the works of men rather than the, the process of becoming holy and becoming like Jesus. He says in verse 19, Colossians 2, they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Two times he says grow there. grows as God causes it to grow. Listen, this progressive sanctification, this incremental growth in our lives is produced by God, but it's produced by God. It started and it keeps going as we submit to Him. As we kind of lean back and say, I trust you, God. We trust and we obey and we surrender, we submit. And that's hard. That's really hard. I mean, it is. I mean, if, if it's easy for you, to, that's fine. But it's hard. 
It really is hard. I'm, so, I, I'm sorry, but it is. It's hard to just say, oh yeah, sure, I'll do it. I mean, you know what? If, I'm not making that up. It, and, and I know that I have somebody that shares, has shared my experience of saying, that's really hard to surrender and understand that our sanctification and becoming holy is progressive. Because have you read what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7? Where he struggles and everything he wants to do, he doesn't do. And everything he knows he should do, he doesn't do. And he's like, what is wrong with me? And then he says, how am I going to do this? And he says, thank God, through Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory. It's through Jesus. It's not you. It's he started the work, and he's going to keep it going as you submit. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to feel like you made no progress. And he says... I'm, I'm going to keep going because I'm going to get there. Thanks be to God. I'm going I'm to win over myself and over my, my flesh and the sin nature. I'm going to win. I know it because Jesus already won for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, think about this. A football team, right? You have, you have this team, the other positions, and you have these guys, they go to practice all the time. And this is, you have to make these... You have to learn, when you, go, when you come into a new team or you're a new player, you go to a team, you've got to learn the plays. Say you're a lineman. You've got to learn the different schemes, the defensive schemes, alignments that they have, where you line up. You have to learn different mechanics and techniques while blocking or, or, or trying to rush the passer or, or get to the running back or break through, whatever it is, whatever your position is, right? You've got to go through that practice over and over and over again, right? But if you go there and you just go through the motions, Right? You just go through the motions, and the, 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 the growth is eh, not there. You know where you're going to end up? Ooh, you're on the bench. Ooh, you're on the bench. You are on the bench. And you know what? The truth is that so many of us, so many Christians are on the bench, and they're just so happy as a clam to be there. I'm on the team. I don't care if I play. Maybe I'll still get the trophy in the end if they win the Super Bowl with all the other guys doing all the work. Mm. I don't want to say it because I don't make a theological, it's, it's not a fair comparison, you know, biblically necessarily, but if you keep that up, they might just trade you. Maybe you were never part of the team. You were only there in body, but your spirit was never there. I don't know. Just saying. Don't be on the bench. Go out there. Go through the routine. Because growth is not automatic. You've got to put work and effort into it. It's not easy. My, Dr. Way was in the first service. And, when I, when, and mo, especially with teenage boys and young boys that are growing males. They go through growth pains. Right? They're feeling things. You can't see it. But it's because they're, they're eating right, they're sleeping, they're exercising, they're moving, they're getting flexible. And there's pains in their joints and their bones and their muscles are stretching and growing. And you know what? That's got to be like that. And it is like that in our spiritual growth. We feel growth pains. Don't give up. Because it's progressive. And it's incremental. And you've got to get through that pain to grow. You know, we have this amazing, powerful scripture to hang on to. When we talk about progressive growth, because it's expected first, but secondly, it's, it's progressive and it's ongoing, right? Paul gives us a great encouragement in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. 
He said this, for I am confident of this very thing. Man, if the Apostle Paul said, I am confident, we should be confident too. That means he is sure, he is 100% sure, and he knows it without a doubt. And he says that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. Oh, he'll grow you. He'll take you through the process of becoming more, to, of, of per, the process of being perfected, of perfection, until the day of Jesus Christ when we will be perfect in his presence. That's encouraging. Don't give up. Growth is progressive. Sometimes it feels like you're doing all the right things and you're trying to press into God and you're in the scripture and you're with others and you're praying and God, but I feel like I'm making gains. God says, you got to keep going. You got to keep nourishing. You got to keep hydrating. You got to spiritually, you got to keep going. You got to keep exercising. And, and, and in the end, you'll be stronger. You'll, you'll be more like me. You'll be more like me. Lastly, Growth is expected, growth is progressive, and thirdly, growth, spiritual growth, biblical spiritual growth always results in Christ-likeness. That's it. It results in Christ-likeness. Now, I am so glad that I can look around and I can see brothers and sisters and I see Christ in them. Do I see all of Christ in them? Well, in one sense, I kind of do. But no, I don't. You don't. I wish you would see all of Christ in me. I, just, I know myself, right? But I hope that at least you could see some of Christ in me. Because he lives in me and it's progressive. And the more and more we go, there should be more of that in our lives. That we see Christ in our lives through this progress. And Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 29, Paul says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. In the New American Standard, to become conformed. That language in the Greek is, is that it is a process that is happening now and will continue all the way to the end. To become conformed to the image of His Son. Oh Lord, help us to be more like Jesus. We sang that too. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be all these things, but most of all, I want to be like Jesus. John the Baptist, he said it perfectly. When, when he saw and he knew who Jesus was, after Jesus' baptism and Jesus' rising in his ministry, and it's before John got imprisoned, and he said these words in John chapter 3 and verse 30, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. And we've got it all backwards today in our world. We're so focused on, if I offend you, good. We're so focused on self-esteem. We're so focused on self, you fill in the blank. That is antithetical to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what Jesus called us to do where we die to ourselves and we take up our cross daily, every single day. Why? So that we can, this, this can all fall off and there's more of Jesus. So that certainly and for sure, there could be more of Jesus and less of us. That is what John understood and knew. God help us. May that be our prayer and constant desire. Boy, I need help with that. Look, self-help and all the personal growth trends that are out there, it, they're everywhere, oh my goodness. But to what end? To what end? To what end? Growth is not the goal of salvation. It is the result. 
And actually, it is the evidence that you have been transformed at salvation and you are now being conformed to the transformer. I'm going to read that again. Growth. Spiritual growth is not the goal of salvation. It's the result of salvation. And actually, it is the evidence that you have been transformed at salvation and you're now being conformed to the transformer who is Jesus. You want to envision envision like the Transformers guys? That's fine, because they're mighty and strong and powerful. Okay, that's fine. That's Jesus. That's awesome. Go ahead and make that connection. Christians grow to be more like Jesus, not more like someone in your family or your grandfather or somebody across the aisle or so-and-so pastor. No, 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 no. We, We grow to be like Jesus. We're coming to a close. We know the scripture in James. When we talk about the Christ-likeness that happens through, Lord, through that progressive sanctification. And James says in 1, verse 2 to 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Yay! (laughs) For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to, you guessed it, grow. To grow. So let it grow, he says. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Has anybody gotten there? Where you're perfect and complete and you need nothing? Oh, no, no, no. Which just reinforces the point that even though we are expected to grow and we are progressively growing, we will continue to progressively grow. We must so that we can be more like Christ. But we grow through all those difficult things. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, again, even when it's difficult. We can know that growth is expected. We can know that it's progressive or that it's a process that results in Christ-likeness. But listen, please listen. We have literally two minutes. We must, we must be patient. It's so easy to get impatient and walk away from the process or just give up and sit on the bench. And, and I, but, I, but you don't understand. I've gone through so much and I've had so many trials and it's, and it's heavy and it's difficult. I know God's been faithful and He's shown Himself, but it's heavy and hard and I'm tired and, and I can't feel like I haven't grown. And, and, and God wants you to know Count it all joy when you go through all this because your endurance is growing. And because your endurance is growing, that means you're going to make it to the end and you're going to see Jesus and you'll be perfected. It's not easy. Nobody ever said it's easy. But it's the best road you can possibly take and be on is that road of sanctification and being and becoming more like Jesus. I learned something. Well, I was reminded, I should say, of something this week when I was preparing. You know... How many of you like snakes? I like snakes too. I think they're cool. Some people think I'm crazy. No, snakes are not evil. All right? And no, snakes aren't the devil. All right? Snakes are cool, man. They really are. They're, so, they're awesome, right? And some of you are like, Ugh. 
Did you know, did you know that snakes never stop growing until they die? Did you know that? Awesome. That's fantastic. I'm glad you knew that. They never stop growing. Snakes never stop growing until they die. Some of you didn't know that. I was reminded because I read it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that, but I forgot. Like, I, that's right. I remember, I remember that from way back. They keep growing. And you know what happens? You know what the evidence of their growth and what happens when they grow is that they shed their skin, right? We've all seen that, right? And, and they will shed their skin, whether it's twice a year, three or four times a year, depending on their growth and how they go. But they shed their skin for the rest of their life until they die. And you know what it is? It's actually an amazing thing. In the same way, we go through this process of shedding the old nature. Listen to me. If you didn't listen to me the whole time, that's fine. I'll wake up right now and listen to this. All right? I know I'm a little long. But listen. In the same way, we go through this process of shedding the old nature, the life of sin. And it is often uncomfortable. It is often takes longer than we want it to take. And sometimes it's even unexpected. And we're in a situation and all of a sudden we're like, whoa, where did that attitude come from? I guess I got it. That's got to come off. You know, where did that mindset come? Whoa, where did that word come from? Well, let's put that back in and insert foot and mouth or whatever, and then let's not do that again. Like, we got to learn, right? That happens to us. And it's, it's coming off. There's a shedding. And as long as we are Christians, we ought to be growing. And in the process, as we're growing, we're constantly shedding. And sometimes it stinks, man. It's not fun. But it's the only way we can grow, The old's got to come off. The yucky's got to come off and make room for the new and good and the bigger and better that God has for us. You know, last Sunday night was an amazing demonstration of what the process of the skin coming off looks like. Because if you were here and if you weren't, well, it's it's too bad. You missed out, right? But but it's, it's exactly what gathering's all about. Just this open forum, we seek God, we pray, we sing. And to have people just share, at least two, our brothers and sisters that shared about how shedding was happening of the old skin. If you were there, you know, I'm not repeating anything else. Right? That's awesome. Because you know what it tells me? There's growth. There's growth. And you see it when the people of God are gathered. And then there's a transparency and an honesty. And there's a a true saying, God, I surrender. And I want to be more like you. And so then you say, listen, I just want you to pray for me. Because you know what? X, Y, and Z. And it's got to come off. And I know it's there. And i got to shut it. And it's got to go away. Oh, it's not comfortable. It might take longer than you want. But you fight through that. And then you become more like Jesus. Oh, that that was so awesome. Don't rush the process of shedding the old nature. But don't avoid it either. I'm going to say that again. Please don't rush the process, but don't avoid it either. Because through sanctification, we shed our life of sin and self to grow into the likeness of Jesus more and more until we see Him face to face. And then we are glorified, which means We won't have to do any more shedding. There will be no more sin around us. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be perfected. Oh, we're looking forward to that day. That's what makes the journey and this process, I'll say it, palatable. We can do it. We can get through it. It's it's hard. It's difficult, but we can do it. 
And there's joy in the process. I'm going to close in prayer. But I'm going to open the altars. Because, I don't know, maybe there's one or two people, maybe I'm the only one, who doesn't like to have to shed stuff. Or is fighting against God saying, shed that, take that off, take off that old clothes for the new, take off the old skin for the new and grow. Maybe you're struggling with stuff and you're just, or maybe, maybe you've come to realize, you know what? I know God wants me to, but I've kind of just dismissed the expectation he has for me and I'm kind of just like in this holding pattern in my spirituality and God's like, um, that's not okay. Maybe you've been discouraged because you want everything to happen all at once and you want to be Superman spiritually and like do miracles and do great things and everybody you tell about Jesus, they, they fall in love with Jesus too and it's not happening and, and then you're frustrated and you forget that this whole process of you becoming more holy and used by God and and, and, and more powerfully, is a process. It's, a, it's progressive. Maybe you need to lay that down at the altar. And, or maybe you've just lost sight of the fact that growth, growth spiritually is, is about becoming like Jesus, not a better version of you. Maybe you need to come and admit that at the altar before the Lord today. So I want to pray. If you leave, leave quietly. The altars are open. Spend some time with the Lord. Just lay it down, even if it's a minute to do it. Lord, thank you for this word that I pray we would take to heart your call, your expectation that we would grow so that we would incrementally see your work in our lives as we submit to you, as your word and your spirit are activated in our lives and as we submit to them and surrender. God, that we would see that we become more and more like Christ. Help us, Lord, to not be afraid. Help us, Lord, to, in our weariness to not give up. Help us to lay all these things down so that we can become who you want us to be, which is like your son Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.